Hi, I'm Luann Botta, and I'm Marianne Crum. You know, lots of things may be in short supply these days, but hope doesn't have to be one of them. Join us for the next 30 minutes or so, and we'll remind you how you can live with unquenchable hope. Hi, everybody. You know, it's not often that I look at the Old Testament and think, gee, I wish I lived back then. But they did have this really weird system for making decisions, and it involved some kind of things called the Urim and the Thummim. I'd like to study it more, and I, and I should, but it's like a bona fide thing they used in the Old Testament to decide between things, and they would roll these objects and, and get direction. We don't really have that system going for us that are living in New Testament times, but God has given us His Holy Spirit because He wants us to know His will and to do His will. So that's what we've been focusing on for the past couple of podcasts. I have my friend Heidi Blake here with me because Luann is off on another trip. And I asked Heidi to come and join me to do this topic because it's something that she taught on recently. She's gone through a lot of great stuff the last two episodes, and we're going to finish up today. But I'm going to ask her to give a little recap of what we've already talked about on how we can know the will of God. Yeah, so last podcast, we talked about that there's three different types of the will of God. There's the will of decree, which is the the things that God has said are going to happen, and we can't really undo those. Those are going to happen because God says they're going to, like, mm-hmm. you know, prophecy and that type of thing. And then there's the will of desire that we talked a lot about last time, which are the things that God wants for our lives to look like, the things that God wants for us to choose. But we actually do have a choice. He's given us the ability to choose whether we do that or not. So that would be making decisions about whether to obey him or not to obey him. And that's the will of desire. And then there's also this thing called the will of direction which is God giving us a specific direction on a specific decision, such as, you know, where we're going to live or what house we're going to buy or what person we're going to marry. That's not going to be anywhere in Scripture for us to to find. We wish it were in (laughs) Scripture. Many times I have wished that those kind of specific answers were in there. Yeah. So last time we went over a bunch of the will of desire. So things that we already know God wills for us because it's actually spelled out in Scripture that He wants these things. And we went over several of those last time, but you and I were talking and there's a few verses that you had that were also great on explaining God's will for our lives. There's actually a very large number of verses that you could really say are God spelling out his will for us. You can find them all over the Bible. So we could probably go on and on about this for about, I don't know, 10, 12 podcasts if we really wanted to. But you've got two or three here that are really good. Yeah, I do. And one of the things when we're talking about this to remember, and we covered some of this in, in the other episodes, is that God isn't trying to hide from us his will. He wants the best possible life for us. And really, even when we're talking about the things that God desires, since man chose in the Garden of Eden to exercise his free will and make a really bad decision to rebel against God, God has also suffered the effects of the fall. Mm -hmm. It's not just people. We deal with sin all the time and the effects of sin. We can't even really imagine what heaven will be like because we're under so much oppression during this life. So has God had to endure a lot of things that he never intended. I mean, he created the Garden of Eden to be 
what it was, paradise. That's what he wanted for us. And that's what will happen again in the very end when he recreates heaven and earth. And those who are saved will get to live in that place. And I, for one, cannot wait. But there's a quote that is so good and that I cannot remember word for word. And I even tried to Google it and couldn't find it. But the essence of it is that God allows a lot of things that he doesn't like in order to accomplish greater things. God has had to put up with a lot of stuff that was never in his plan, but he's always working to accomplish a greater thing, Mm -hmm. right? If that makes sense. So he lives with a lot of grief. When I think about all the things that God sees in a day and how heartbreaking that must be for him, You know, he sees every child that has been abused or every victim of human trafficking, all the suffering that goes on. The world was never something that he intended. Mm -hmm. So all this has to be framed in the context that when we talk about God's will, what he wants for us is the very best possible life in a fallen world. But that may not be exactly the way that we would think that it would be. His ways are higher. His his ends are greater than ours. So, right. you know, we're really trying to get his perspective on things and to buy into that, which is basically what we're doing when we say, I want to be a follower of Christ. We're saying, okay, God, then I want your will. I want your will in all things. These very specific things that we already know are his will. Heidi went over a bunch of them in the last episode, and they all began with S. (laughs) She was really on it with her alliteration. The ones that I'm going to share that I thought of, I don't have that cool alliteration going. But like she said, there are so many things. That might be a good way, as you read the Bible, to be looking for, is there anything in this passage that communicates to me a specific desire of God for my life? something that he wants from me. And there's a lot of different ways to read the Bible looking for different things. I like to read it and look for things that show me the character of God. But another way would be that, okay, is there anything in there that is clearly something I should be doing in my life right now because this is God's will? Anyway, if you didn't hear the last episode, go back and listen to that because we shared several of those couple more that I thought of. One was in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Actually, it's 5.16-18. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And sometimes you'll hear people saying, I can't give thanks for everything. That's crazy. That's just ridiculous. And that's not what this is saying. It's saying, in everything give thanks not for everything. Obviously, there are things that happen to us in life that God doesn't expect us to be thankful for that particular thing. But while we're in it, because one of the S words that you shared last time was suffering, that that's going to be an inevitable part of our lives. So in that suffering, we can still have a mindset of being thankful for a lot of things. That's, again, I go back to that, the thankful journal that Mm -hmm. I mention all the time. Because that's a way that in everything you can give thanks. You may not be giving thanks for something in your life, but there are plenty of other things that you can have a thankful attitude about, which will really, really, really help your enduring the hard things. If you can also open your eyes to all that is right and that you can be thankful for. So that's one of the clear things it says for this is God's will for you. So if we 
really want to know what God's will for us is in all these other areas, we can start with these that we know for sure. Once we have those down, our eyes may be open to all kinds of other revelations about God's will for us. Mm-hmm. She's nodding, by the way. In case you <laughs> yes. think she went to sleep no. during my little I was just listening. sermonette. <laughs> no, no, I was just listening. Okay, here's another one. Are you ready for my other yes. one? Yes. Micah 6.8. This is an old Calvary Chapel praise song. It says, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. So right there are three things that we can say for sure are God's will for us, that we do justice, that we love kindness, and we walk humbly with God. That could basically take an entire life to get those. As yeah. as would giving thanks and everything. Yeah. These are not easy things. You really have to ask for God's strength and ask for God to give you the ability to do these things. Yeah. You know, because you can't just will yourself to give thanks in every circumstance. You can't just will yourself to always be humble. It's something that you need help to do. But, yeah. But God but, is looking at us. Yes. And saying, okay, so you're asking me to give you direction about this decision that you have to make about a job, for example. But he might be looking at our lives saying, yeah, but you are not acting like a kind person, or you are not walking humbly with me. You're not spending time with me. He wants us to get these basic things consistently in our lives. Right. And if we're expecting to get all kinds of supernatural tingles and directions from him about other stuff, if we're not doing these basic things, I don't know. He may constantly be saying, hey, go back to what I told you already to do. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, I think, for example, doing justice, if you're treating other people unfairly, that is something that God takes really seriously. Yeah. And I know you and I both kind of have that justice bug where we get really annoyed when we see injustices in the world. And yeah. But I think that God puts that in people because he wants us to pursue justice and to treat others fairly. And it's very important to him. Yes, these moral issues. Yeah. Last week, we talked about sexual immorality mm-hmm. as being one of those that's very clear in Scripture. Mm-hmm. I know one of the things when our boys were teenagers that we told them is that we will trust you until you give us a reason not to, mm-hmm. because we were looking more at their heart and mm-hmm. the character issues and not so much trying to micromanage all the little stuff with them, knowing that if they had proven themselves trustworthy, then we could trust them to make decisions when they were out of our sight. Once they can drive, you really can't control what they're doing. So you hope that you've led them in a way and raised them in a way that you've built character qualities into their lives. So I think God's the same way with us. He He's looking for these big things that he's already told us to do. He is well able and and very willing to give us direction about small decisions, but we can't just ignore the big... Right. It says, walk humbly with your God. It says he gives grace to the humble. Humility is a huge thing to God. If you're not humbly coming to him, then how are you even going to listen to what he tells you to do if you're coming in a prideful attitude? Trust is humility, really. Mm -hmm. It's saying, I'm going to trust you more than I trust my own Mm -hmm. little limited brain. Right. What's the last category is that where we're going today? Yeah. So the last category would be finding God's will of direction, which are those decisions that we're making that aren't spelled out in scriptures that are individual to our lives, that one person has to make this decision and the other person doesn't have to. Uh-huh. You know, I, I need to decide where to go to school. Somebody else might be deciding where to live, that mm-hmm. type of thing. 
I mean, it could be what kind of car to buy. I mean, even mm-hmm. something small like that. But those are the the specific plan that God has for your life and wanting to make sure you're following that. And so the first thing I think I would want to say when you're trying to find God's will of direction, you have to make sure that you know God's word, because a lot of the principles in God's word will point you to a direction mm-hmm. in your life. So if the principle is, for example, to submit to authority, that can tell you whether or not to scream back at your parent when they tell you to do something. It can lead you and guide you in the right direction if you know the God's will and what his general character is and what his general desires are. And you, you wouldn't know that unless you know the scriptures. And also yeah. there's a lot of wisdom in the scriptures, um, mm-hmm. just practical wisdom about finances yeah. that you can find about relationships. There's all kinds of wisdom in the Bible. For example, if you are going to buy a house and you're looking at a bunch of different houses and you see this house that you really, really love, but it's not really a house that's in a a price range that you're going to be able to afford and also do other things that God has commanded, like taking care of your family or being able to give or being able to not go into debt, Mm -hmm. then you kind of know that's not a house that you should buy. Maybe you should get something a little cheaper. Or if you're trying to decide on a job and suddenly you realize that this job is going to ask you to do something unethical or you're getting a, a bad feeling about the management that maybe they they are going to be more focused on on money and not focused on ethical behavior, then mm-hmm. maybe you just know that's not a good job because those principles are in scripture. Right. In fact, we talked about how there's a lot, a lot of verses in Proverbs about finances. And I think that among those is one that talks about how the debtor is a slave to the lender. Yeah. Of course, if you take a Christian financial course, which are fantastic, by the way, they always remind you of that principle. It's not that having a mortgage to your house is sin, but it's not wise to get in over your head. And and a lot of people find themselves in that situation. Right. And then you sort of feel like you're a slave. You do feel like you're, because you are in in some practical ways. Mm -hmm. It changes, like you said, what you can do. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Another example I can think of is when you're getting ready to choose someone to marry, just thinking about, well, you know, in the scripture, it says to be equally yoked which means that you should marry someone who's also a believer and not marry someone who's not a believer. And then also picking someone who's going to push you closer to the Lord is is probably what the scripture would say. And there's multiple verses that would give you those principles. But just kind of give you examples of yeah. principles you can find in scripture. So if you're going to get ready to make a big decision, sometimes it's a good idea to just do a word search for the Bible. You know, mm-hmm. we'll do a word search on, you know, houses or finances, or you can get on Google and say verses about, picking a wife versus about picking a husband, and it'll pour out those verses for you, and you can pray over them and read them and and use them for wisdom. Mm -hmm. Yep, best place to start. That's right. So the second thing you might want to do is ask some people for advice. Mm -hmm. Um, And these are not going to be just anybody off the street. You want to pick somebody who has some kind of experience in the area that you want advice about, um, someone who knows the scriptures, who knows the biblical principles, but also who maybe knows you as a person and knows what might be best for you because they know you or uh-huh. or knows the area that you're wanting to look into, whether it be how to deal with your children, how to discipline your children, how to pick a school to go to college, it's, you know, somebody who's been there before. Yep, absolutely. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, where there is no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. 
Right. Yeah. Depending, like you said, on, on who they are, because in a multitude of counselors could also be a lot of confusion. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so you definitely want to make sure that it's somebody that has the same perspective in terms of your relationship with God and is going to point you in that direction. Right. Also, too, I think it's really helpful if you have people in your life to bounce things off of that will tell you the truth and true. not tell you what you just want to hear. Yes, definitely. Because your yes men, they don't really help you at all. No. When you're making decisions, you want people to help you look at it critically, even if you don't really want to hear what they say. Exactly. I have another verse from Proverbs. Proverbs has a lot of good verses for wisdom. Mm-hmm. Proverbs twelve fifteen says, A fool's way is right in his own eyes, but whoever listens to counsel is wise. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a good one. Mm-hmm. I was reading an article about this topic, actually, about getting direction from God, and Under seeking godly input was a little paragraph, and I assume that this is backed up by some kind of research, but it says, think of it this way. You should understand that you are basically a composite of the five people you spend the most time with. So then it is vital that you choose those five people well. If you choose to surround yourself with godly advisors, they will be instrumental in helping you discern God's plan for your life. But if you surround yourself with people who are far from God, your hope of finding his best for your life will be greatly diminished. Yeah. That's a sobering thought. It is. It is. Yeah. You you might want to stop hanging around me (laughs) in light of that. No, no. You've you've definitely given me lots of good advice over the years, so I think I'll keep you around (laughs) just for that reason. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, actually, I was just thinking about, you know, example of someone that I knew that was trying to make a, a pretty difficult decision about their child, and they were praying about it, and they looked in the scriptures. They really couldn't find anything specific that was going to guide them about living situations, And the person said that they went and they asked some people that they really trusted that were believers and asked them, you know, what they thought they should do. Mm -hmm. And I was just really impressed that that this person did that because there just really aren't too many people nowadays that have enough humility Mm -hmm. to go to others and to get wisdom from others. And it really helped that person to feel peaceful about the decision that they eventually made. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's interesting when I've talked to younger women, which most of the women in our church are younger than I am, (laughs) about this whole idea of mentoring and having having go-to people Mm -hmm. to get advice from, a lot of them say, well, they're just feel stupid or they, they feel like they would be imposing on someone to ask them to offer that kind of advice. And I said, are you kidding me? It is such a blessing to people when you seek them out for advice. I can't Mm -hmm. imagine anybody getting offended at that. Mm -hmm. They would just think it was very much an honor Yeah. Anytime I've ever approached somebody to ask their advice, they've always taken it that way. Never had somebody say, oh no, I don't have time for this. It is part of that humbling ourselves too, Mm -hmm. like you mentioned, but I don't think that people look down on you if you go to ask them for advice. And also, it depends on what kind of a church you're in, Mm -hmm. but I've been blessed to be part of churches where the elders of our church are very happy to pray with people about big decisions and, you know, Mm -hmm. stuff in life. So take advantage of that. Yeah, I've done that before. I know the difficult situation I think I talked about in an earlier podcast, um, difficult situation where I had to deal with a difficult person. Mm, Um, Right. I actually went to an elder and and got some really great advice that really helped me in that situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely would encourage that. Okay. So the last point, which when you're trying to find God's will of direction, would be to pray. 
And maybe you should start with prayer yeah. and end with prayer. <laughs> I'm trying to resist the temptation to go, duh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pray and ask God right. for His direction, and He wants to answer us. It's um, amazing, too, when we just do that simple but profound thing, how He will make sure to put people in our path or even articles, random things that are related to what we need wisdom about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that only he could have orchestrated that right. way. So yeah. sometimes the sermon will be exactly on that yes. topic, or you might listen to a podcast and it happens to be on that topic, mm-hmm. or you know, all kinds of things. Yeah, you're right. He does want to communicate with us. I mean, we're in yeah. relationship with him, yeah. so of course he wants us to start there and mm-hmm. ask him. There's this beautiful verse that I found in Psalms that kind of describes what we were just talking about, and it's really very comforting. Mm-hmm. It says, this is Psalm 73, 23 through 24. It says, I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand, and you guide me with your counsel. Mm. That so, is a great yeah. word picture. Mm-hmm. It's almost like an adult walking with a kid, holding them by the hand and guiding them. Yeah. To just sum up, are those your points? Are you... I think I had one more and then I was done. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, hey, lay that last one on. Well, you know, sometimes there's some, yeah, sometimes when you're trying to make a decision and it's really difficult, there's a couple of questions that you can ask yourself that sometimes will clarify. Okay. Um, we talked about it in a previous episode that sometimes you can say, hey, God, what is your path of life here? Which, which path is the path that's going to take me towards life? Another way to look at that, another question that we might want to end with is when you're trying to make a difficult decision and it's not clear in scripture and you're torn between two, is this? say, Lord, show me which one brings me into your presence. Hmm. Um, Because that is the goal of our life and the goal that God has for us and our relationship with Him is that we would be in His presence continually and would would be seeking His presence. And so if you ask God, what answer here would would bring me into your presence? What would draw me closer to you? Okay. Yeah. I was Mm going to ask you to define what what you mean by... What would draw me closer to you? Obviously, there are, for example, some jobs that might be so demanding that Mm -hmm. they're going to pull you away from your family and from your relationship with God. Right. You're going to be working a lot of overtime or traveling Mm -hmm. a lot, or you have Mm -hmm. to factor those things in. Mm -hmm. So what's going to bring me closer to you? That is a good way to end. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Heidi, for sharing your vast reservoir of wisdom. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) But no, we appreciate it. And I hope that lots of people are helped by this. And I think I should throw out, since you (laughs) said my vast (laughs) wisdom, actually, if if you look in the show notes, you'll see some references that I used for- Yes, that's right. Yeah, for these these points that I have. I can't really take credit for all of them. (laughs) I mean, that's what we all do, But I'm glad you said that because it reminded me to remind people to look at the show notes. If they want to read further, there's several books they could read on this. Okay, awesome. Sounds good. Thanks for joining us today. If this podcast encouraged you, it might encourage someone else too. So please share it and share some hope.